Hey everyone, this is Colin, and I have the joy of introducing episode five of the Raising Autistic Disciples podcast. On this episode, Lara talks with our dear friend Lizzie Mears. Lara and Lizzie are going to be talking on this episode through the denial phase of an autism diagnosis and all of its implications. If this is your first time listening, we encourage you to go back and catch the first few episodes as we tried to lay a foundation for understanding autism from a biblical worldview. That'll be helpful so that when you get to this episode, it makes a little bit more sense on what we're discussing. The next five episodes are walking us through the five stages of discovering autism for the Christ-following parent. So we hope and pray that they're helpful and encouraging. And also, one more thing. If you haven't already, please drop us a review of the podcast on whatever platform you listen and connect with us on social, whether on Facebook or Instagram and threads now as well. All right. Let's dive in and hear the conversation between Lara and Lizzie. Lizzie, thank you for being on the Raising Autistic Disciples podcast. So glad you're here. Oh, thanks for having me. Tell us about who you are, your family, what you do, things like that. Okay, so I am a Christ follower. Uh, I'm married to Steve Mears, and we have three children. They are 15, 12, and 8 years old. And I've been an ASHA certified speech pathologist for 16 years. I've worked in the public schools for 12 of those years. And I've done pediatric home health, hospitals, and nursing facilities. And um, I'm really honored to be here. Yes, we are too. Um, I'll get into this a little bit more later in the episode. But Lizzie and Steve uh, have been a blessing to my family um, and my whole family, actually, not just Colin and I, but uh, my brother and sister-in-law and my mom. And so I'm grateful to have this conversation. But Lizzie, tell us what uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny, uh, whatever uh, you want to. Tell us what an average day as a speech pathologist looks like. Okay. So an average day for a speech pathologist can vary. Um, But for me, it looks like seeing students every 30 minutes, either one-on-one, a small group or inclusion, which is in the classroom setting. And my caseload size varies. I have an average of like 40 to 50 students uh, usually, but lately my caseloads have been as high as 70 students. And all of these students that I work with have deficits or delays in expressive language, receptive language, articulation, voice, swallowing, um, and fluency, which is stuttering. Gotcha. So you work with, uh, what's the contact you have with parents? Oh, gosh. Well, in the public school, unfortunately, it's not as great of parent contact as it was in pediatric home health, where I was literally going into their home, sitting with them and their child. Um, But we have to contact parents immediately when we notice in the schools that there's something different about a student or they're having trouble in a certain area. Uh, We can't actually even see the student um, as a speech pathologist until the parent says, okay, you can go and see my child. Um, Mm -hmm. I would like for your opinion and your um, expertise on what's going on with their speech and language development. Mm -hmm. What's, what's something while you're working with students that brings you joy? (laughs) I love progress. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm one of those that when I have progress, it's just such great joy uh, to see a child be able to uh, express themselves and feel confident to, to be able to communicate their wants and needs. That's just, it's a great joy that, you know, I, I don't think I can get any other place uh, mm-hmm. other than my own personal biological children learning and growing. That's joyful too. But sure. um, I love to see them make progress and um, 
you know, that is one of the best parts of my job, honestly, is uh, to see a child grow. Right. Right. Absolutely. So just wanted to tell uh, those listening how you and I are, are connected. And it's one of those uh, reminders and the goodnesses of the Lord that he uh, not only marks our steps, but he puts people in place, even, uh, I mean, absolutely when we cannot even see down the road, how, how uh, he's going to use people, but he puts people in our path and in our, in our uh, way to uh, encourage us, to um, to help us, to partner with us, and things like that. And so you and I are connected um, because the Lord brought you and Steve uh, to serve as uh, the student minister at uh, my home church that I grew up at. Yeah. Um, but when he, when you guys arrived in the great state of Louisiana, where <laughs> we're where I'm from, um, uh, Colin and I were, were married. I think we may have. Uh, actually, no, we didn't have any kids at the time, but you are most connected to my brother and so, um, and, and mom as well. Um, but have gotten to know you guys just through the connection with them. Um, and we'll talk about a little bit later, a little bit more specifically how you have been, uh, influential in my life, but we're really connected in that way. Um, uh, also have friends that, uh, that know you, um, um, from the church that you all serve at. And so, uh, just grateful to have this conversation specifically uh, of how you um, helped me in the process of uh, the stage, what we're calling uh, denial. And so that's that's what the next few episodes will be about. I kind of told that in the previous episode, but we're starting this series in season one called The Five Stages of Discovering Autism for the Christ-Following Parent. Now, that is really uh, important that we put at the end of that for the Christ falling parent. Cause I'm, I'm sure there's other uh, podcasts out there that, uh, that talk about the stages of autism or autism in general, disability in general. Um, but we want to make sure uh, as said in other episodes that this podcast is a resource and our prayer and our hope is that for those who want to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord um, that are on the autistic spectrum, that it can be done. And so uh, these next few episodes are really diving into how Colin and I have experienced, because like we said before, we're no professionals. We, we don't, um, we're not psychologists, we're not counselors, but we are parents who love Jesus, who have an autistic son, who desire to raise him to be a disciple and a disciple maker. Um, and so uh, the first stage that we believe um, that we went through as we look back on our journey is denial. Um, I think that is a stage which which you will talk about a little bit more um, and lead us through that it's it's one of the hardest. Not only is that the beginning of the journey, it's one of the hardest. And so just just offer us like why do you think this is a stage in the autism journey? Um, I think that this is the initial and most important stage uh, of acceptance for your child who has autism spectrum disorder. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has those five stages of death um, and that the five stages of grief when someone dies. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that for a person who has a child with autism spectrum disorder, uh, these can be helpful for you to know and like look through because these are kind of the descriptions to me of the stages of acceptance. And this is how it starts. Denial is probably the first stage 
in any, you know, grief situation is that this is not actually happening. You know, this mm, is yes. not uh, something that is real. And, um, and so I do think that uh, this is a part of the autism journey because um, it is, you know, the beginning of understanding, uh, honestly, a death to a life that you thought you might have exactly or a it. death to a life that you thought your child might right. have. And so this is the starting point. This is where it, it, it starts is denial. Lizzie, is this normal? Is it, <laughs> I'm, I mean, in the sense of like, when you serve your clients and your students and even in getting to know parents, is the, it, I think that's why a lot of us autistic parents are like, am I, am I alone in this? <laughs> am I the only one? Yeah. Um, you know, I think we feel like that about most things in our life. <laughs> right. One like this, but I do think, yes, this is, a very typical thing that I would see as a speech pathologist. I would say that some parents are not in denial, but they are lacking knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then once they get the knowledge, they may go through denial. But a lot of times I, you know, run into parents that just don't know what a child is supposed to be doing and at what age they're supposed to be doing it. Okay. And so sometimes I run into that, that lack of knowledge, but more often than not, I see denial is the main barrier to a child beginning to receive supports from mm -hmm. outside the home when it comes down to autism spectrum disorder. Um, the denial is, is that first initial barrier. And yes, it is very, very normal and very okay. typical. Thank you for that. So just to let you know, I, in preparing for these, um, these next five episodes at first, um, I put diagnosis first. Mm -hmm. So we were going to talk about diagnosis and then denial, but then as I started praying about it and just kind of thinking back over, uh, our, uh, journey now, now I want to, let me take a time out for a second. I'm not saying that the autistic parent listening to this or the one that's, uh, kind of in the stage we are farther along that, that every parent or every family, every child is going to go through these steps like we did. Mm -hmm. So it, it can look differently, uh, for every family, for every, uh, child. But for us, I went back and was like, you know what, we went through denial before the even diagnosis happened. Okay. So in some, some, um, exam, some families, you may already have the diagnosis and then go through denial. Sure. So, but, I think it's beneficial for us to talk about denial first so that when we get to diagnosis, we can refer back to this stage of, because I mean, we, I was in denial. I would, I think I look back and if it was not, um, for the, our conversation that we'll talk about in a few, few minutes, I would, I don't know if I would still be in denial. I think the Lord would have, you know, given us a pathway to get a diagnosis, but, uh, because he does all things well and ordains all things uh, in the, in the time he does. But I do think I needed denial first before diagnosis. And mm -hmm. so um, that's the kind of reason why in the, in the progression of these next five episodes, denial is first for us. Uh, it may not be for you listening, but um, it's good to have this conversation before we do talk about the actual diagnosis. So Lizzie, why do you think it's so hard? Um, wh why is denial so hard for parents and caregivers? Oh, I, I, you know, I, I don't have a child with autism spectrum disorder, so I don't know, I, you know, why all of the things um, that they would go through. But I do think there is a fear of, you know, 
being afraid of what will happen to your child once you say something is wrong, you know, like supposedly wrong is what people think, um, or different about my child. Um, what will happen to them? What will happen to us? What will, what will it be like? There's this fear that just kind of creeps in. And I think that's why denial is so hard is because, you know, you're having to think about, you know, that fear and fear is just crippling sometimes. Um, so I think that's why it can be so difficult, you know, um, I, I mean, for you, what do you think as a parent? Why are you, uh, why yeah, do you think it's so no. hard? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's exactly it. I think you hit that. Like fear is, it takes over. And I think what you said before is exactly it. It's, it's relinquishing the life that you thought or even desired or wanted to live. And that, that goes again to, uh, the conversation I had with pastor Connor is, is God counted Colin and I worthy. God counted, yeah. saw me fit to be Graham's parents. And so that's when, that's when that fear has to diminish and the trust in the Lord that he does all things well and that he is going to walk us through. That's when that, that intersection has to happen. Right. Sure. And so, um, I wanted to kind of just talk, uh, and, and tell the story of really why, you know, why you're on the podcast today. Uh, well, there's many reasons why you're on the podcast, <laughs> but um, why specifically I wanted you um, to talk with me about denial. And that's because it was an intersection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, it was, it was a big intersection for me um, in a sense of how that began. And um, it was, let's see, fall 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, just like I told in the introduction, we had made a big move to a new city, new state, new church, new friends, um, a year before this. And, um, things kind of happened fast for us as far as, uh, just getting acclimated and, and whatnot. But it was the fall of 2020, I had started a new job, uh, a new office job, actually. Um, uh, Colin and I talked in the last episode about the preschool fiasco, so I won't go into that <laughs> if you listen to that Episode, but the, the preschool fiasco of dropping him off, having to get him back 15 minutes later, but also a God moment again of, of, of meeting that preschool director, her handing us the note of calling the uh, EC, the exceptional children's program for the public school. So it was all a God, a God thing, but it was out of that, that after that happened, it was a month later, um, just to be kind of a, uh, uh, long story short, uh, my uncle died. I had to fly home. It was on a Sunday. It was also promotion Sunday at our church. Um, so everybody knows who, who has ever experienced a promotion Sunday at church. That means new teacher, new room, new, sometimes even new friends, uh, things like that. And for an autistic child, that's huge. Um, that is, that is, uh, you know, what toys will be in this room. Uh, another aspect to it, there was no toys in this room because he was growing up and getting older. So uh, uh, there, I say that there may have been toys, but there was a time and a place where they were pulled out. So that was new for him. Right. And so um, again, long story short, uh, threw him into a, um, a, it just triggered, right? I'm not there. Mom's not there. Dad is on staff, right? Uh, and uh, it, it, and he's also, I think three at this point, three and a half, so that all kind of thing. So it, let's just sum it up to, it was a really, it was a bad Sunday. Um, but the the point of the story is I didn't know that, which mm. is a good thing. I don't think Colin knew that. I think our uh, precious people at our church uh, uh, knew us, loved us, 
kind of thing, knew what was going on, that I was flying home in grief um, and uh, just needed it to stay. You know, they had it in full control, right? Well, what I didn't know kind of came to a point three weeks later uh, when I got invited to go to coffee with a lady uh, who did say, hey, I was in Graham's class that Sunday and I would love to get to know you. Well, I'm thinking this is going to be fantastic. Like she wants to get to know me. She wants to get to know autism. We're always, you know, like I know the autistic moms listening, we gravitate toward people who, who see us, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I went to coffee and, uh, just, uh, to not, uh, put too much out there, but I know those listening understand what I'm about to say is, uh, we, uh, in the autistic parent community, if you want to call it that, uh, there are a lot of marks and a lot of scars, I will say, over our lifetime in this journey where uh, people hurt and they say things they don't intentionally mean. Um, I don't think anybody thus far in my life has intentionally meant to hurt me with their words mm. concerning uh, my son. But um, in this conversation, it very quickly turned from getting to know me to telling me all the bad things he had done that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at this point, remember we're in, we're not even in denial yet. <laughs> we are, <laughs> we're in a conversation of, uh, I, I, well, now that I'm talking it through, uh, <laughs> I, if you want to add another D word in it, it would have been, it would have been defense. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like yeah. I, I am an hour away, which I'm skipping ahead and swear I'm an hour away from denial, but at this point I'm in defense <laughs> mode. And so I then in tears go oh, to my defense mechanism of, well, well we know he has behavioral problems sure. and, and, and I just kept apologizing and things like that. And tears were running through my eyes. Um, and so I, I quickly, and what I'd encourage those who are listening, I quickly knew in my spirit, this was not going to head in a direction that was going to be edifying or encouraging for me. So I politely cut it off and, mm-hmm. and, and just said, thank you for, um, I don't really even know. So thank you for, <laughs> thank you for, for coffee, you know, and I, and I left that environment, that atmosphere because uh, of just knowing that my emotions were about to just, uh, take control of me. And so, um, from then, from there, like I said, I had an office job I had to get to. Um, and, uh, I remember I, and crying all the way back to my office. And I knew I couldn't go in like that. So I just started walking the lines in the parking lot, like the <laughs> white lines in the parking lot. I just started walking them. And I remember, uh, my mom telling me, of course I had knew you. Um, I yeah. knew your speech, uh, uh, therapist, speech pathologist. Um, uh, but our relationship really was just kind of in passing, you know, I mean, I knew my brother and sister-in-law loved you and Steve, obviously. Uh, and so, but I remember thinking in my heart, I just, I, the only person I know right now in my life is Lizzie to help give me something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and mom had encouraged me to do that as well. So I just picked up my phone. Uh, uh, she had given me your number. Uh, and I just called you out of the blue. Like it was nine thirty nine AM in the morning. Uh, you graciously answered and Lizzie, uh, oh, um, I remember walking those lines in the parking lot and, uh, you know, I, I, it's so funny how you talk these things out. And that's why Colin said last time is this has been, this podcast has been therapeutical, ther- therapeutical for us in a sense of I do now, now I was in defense mode. There's no doubt, 
because I was trying, it was almost like I was trying to convince you, the professional, <laughs> to come on my side of it's not autistic or nothing's wrong. I was trying, I was trying my best walking those lines in the parking lot, trying to convince you, Lizzie, he, you know, he has said some words and he yeah. does make eye contact at times. And, you know, his behavior is, is not that bad, you know, kind of thing. And I remember telling you, uh, oh, he's so great. He can repeat every line to Toy Story. <laughs> I remember, I'm like, isn't that yeah. so fantastic? And yeah. this is me in defense, but this is also me coming into the uh, the process of denial. Of if he can say every line to Toy Story, then this must be a good thing. Yeah. Um, but now I know as you as you uh, and then and when I let a you know when I let you. Uh, when I took a breath and let you into that conversation, you began to explain to me that may not be such a good sign, but you did it so gracefully. And, and so as I did take that breath and said, you know, do you, what, what do you think? I, I do remember you taking a breath and, um, and I'm sure it was uh, asking as we were both, you know, we love Jesus uh, yeah. uh, taking a breath to, to ask the Lord to help you graciously. And that's exactly what you did tell me, but, what I will say, and then I'm going to let you tell uh, what you remember about that conversation. But as I listened to you, you, um, you so graciously and lovingly walked me through one of the hardest moments of my life mm. in a sense of both spiritual and practical. And I think that's a, a one thing as women who uh, believers is, uh, if we could understand that in our, as we link arms with one another is, is not to jump so quickly to the practical, mm -hmm. but to always point each other to the gospel, mm -hmm. always point each other. And that that's what you did for me is you mix the two together so perfectly in walking me through that God has great plans for Graham and God sees me. And that mm -hmm. was huge in a sense of it prepared me for what you were about to say. Right. Um, and so, um, and, and, and it all comes down to this. And this is what I've encouraged when I've told our story is you told me on the other, <laughs> you, so you, I needed, I, I needed, um, I wouldn't say blunt, but I, I needed straightforward, mm. like, as I was telling a story and I was telling you, you said, okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, sweet Lara, we're going to say it out loud. That's what you said. We're gonna say, it. and I wasn't ready to say it out loud, but you you said it three or four times. No, we're gonna say it out loud. He has autistic signs. He and and of course you you like other uh, professionals. You're you're not you're not a psychologist. You're not gonna diagnose him. But you said we're gonna say it out loud. Something is happening here. We need to start the journey to get you intervention. Mm -hmm. And so you helped me. And let me just tell you. At that moment, saying it out loud, agreeing and hearing you help me with that brought freedom. And I don't even know how to explain it. Um, but saying it out loud, what it was what it was helping me do is this right here, along with what we just talked about fear. But what it was helping me do is understanding, coming to the realization that I could not control or fix this in our life. Right. I couldn't control or fix it. I had to relinquish it, not only to the Lord, but relinquish it. That's something. Um, and what you helped me do in that conversation is, is the whole wrong word. Um, it, it, it kind of pushed that to the side is that as we speak this, as we say, okay, he's autistic, mm -hmm. he is different. 
he mm-hmm. he has a disability now what do we do brought so much free i mean do, do you remember that conversation yes i do remember this conversation in fact this is therapeutic for me too because i'm learning as well <laughs> even though you do this for years and years you just learn when you you know go through each person that you have to help you you learn yourself and you're also helping others but i did not know you had that kind of a day. (laughs) I did not know what had happened before. And I need to remember that when I'm talking to people, they're not always in my world of this is, I see what this is. This is this go with it. You know, um, that people are just really struggling with all of life that is difficult and um, to remind myself to, to think that way. So I'm thankful that I get to hear you say all of that because I don't always get the backstories on, you know, what's going on in someone's life prior to me telling mm-hmm. them, you know, your child has characteristics of autism and I'm concerned about that and um, that this is not the end. This is not mm-hmm. a problem. This is actually the beginning of goodness because once we are able to say those things and say it out loud and you're saying it out loud as a parent, people are going to want to come alongside you to support Mm. that and help Mm -hmm. that when you're in that defense mode and denial mode, it's very difficult for anyone to support you because you're telling them there's nothing wrong. And so it's hard for someone to come in and support that. So, um, I knew if we were, if you were going to get help, your state's away from me, (laughs) if you're going to get support and help, you're the first advocate for your child. And sure. so I I thought maybe if I, and this is generally what I think, if I can get the parent to recognize what's happening, I, that's going to be way more beneficial than anything I can say and do for this okay. child. Because a parent is with that child all the time and is going to get the other supports that they need. And so um, that is literally what I was thinking when you're talking to me is I've got to get her to stop saying there's nothing wrong be or different mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever that's, that's usually what happens in denial mode is people are defensive. So you may not have thought you were in denial already, but I really do think when you're defending your mm-hmm. child constantly, that mm-hmm. is some sort of denial of like, why would I, sure. would I defend this? What is happening? Why am I having to defend all of the things that my child is, is going through? Sure. So uh, defense can be a, like a, even an eye opener to a parent that there, there could be something that's not typically developing correctly, right. um, not necessarily wrong, but different. And I think that's a big part of autism too, is that a lot of people assume that this is so bad and this is going to ruin everything for our child or my life. And the truth is, it's just different. It's just a different way to learn a different lifestyle, a different, um, just everything's just different. It's not bad. It's just different and different is not bad. It is that's not right. wrong. So. That's right, because it because he's he's an image of of God. He that's he right. displays his, his his characteristics. So it's no, that's it's beautiful. Yeah, right. and and you helped me to. I mean, what you just said, like I was a barrier, right? Like, and, and, you, and, and you are. You think you're the best for them because you're like pointing out all their positives, right. and you he does have all those positives. Sure. But if he's going to function in all the academics and all the world and all the settings, the stores and all, if he's going to function in other environments beyond you, right next to you, um, you have to start recognizing how to help him to do that, you know? And I think you can't recognize that until you know why he's not functioning in all of these environments. And so um, I think that's, you know, just kind of how that conversation, you know, went in my mind is I I have to help her to advocate for her child and we got to get past the denial. So. Right. Absolutely. And you did it in grace and in love. And, um, cause one thing, I don't know if you knew this back then or even that, 
like I, I do struggle with labels. And so uh, that's a whole nother conversation. But I, you know, been labeled a kid of divorce my entire life. I've been told I'm emotional kind of thing. So I have labels, a list of them. Uh, but when it comes down to my kid, I do not want my kid labeled. So that was a big issue, too, that you you helped me see. And, and it goes back to the the freedom of saying it out loud. But um, it's just a journey of learning that it's not a label to bring um it's not, it's not, though some would see it as a negative label, it really is a, uh, just a discovery sure. of how God made him. Yeah, absolutely. It's discovering the differences in your child and it's not to bring harm, it's to bring help the way oh, yeah. I see it in my world of speech pathology. And I do think that helping people understand what autism is, is like a huge part of helping them through denial. Mm -hmm. I usually try and explain it to them in a way that they just not like movie scene explains it. You know, when you see a child who has autism, you just immediately think of these particular characteristics. It's such a broad spectrum of yeah. characteristics that I like to help people see that uh, aspect of it. And, you know, ASHA, the American Speech and Hearing Association, defines autism um, spectrum disorder as a developmental disability that causes problems with social skills and communication mm -hmm. that may be mild to severe. And so that changes things when you think about autism. You're not looking at it as a bad behavior kid. You're looking at it as communication deficits, social mm -hmm. skills deficits, you know, and then it does have other behaviors sometimes. Um, the American Psychiatric Association defines it a little more uh, semantically mm -hmm. as a complex developmental condition involving persistent challenges with social communication, restrictive interests, and repetitive behaviors. So when you look at both of those, that social communication part is the one that I try and help parents see um, is the big definer in a child with autism spectrum disorder. So if your child is having difficulty socially, you need to put the red flags up because that's not a typical developmental thing that, uh, mm -hmm. that you might have. So when I start to say that, they kind of let go of they just have a speech issue or they just have a behavior issue or they just are ADHD or they're just sensory. All the just, when you say it's just this, just that, just this, that is where it kind of gets complicated because autism spectrum disorder could have all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, parents in denial cling to the, it's just this. It's mm -hmm. just that they just have problems with this and they just have problems with that. And can't y'all all accept my just, if you can look at it as the whole of autism spectrum disorder, it's going to change the way you support your child and the way everybody else supports your child. Um, and I think that's such a huge step, you know, toward allowing your child to function in all the environments. And mm -hmm. That's my goal as a speech pathologist is to help a child function in their academic environment, or that's generally my, my, my goal, academic or other social environments uh, with friends on the playground and in a store. Um, that's where I come in is to help them socially, pragmatically interact with other people. So, but I do think in denial, this understanding of what autism spectrum disorder is will help you get through that denial stage um, a little bit uh, easier than, um, you know, just assuming you know what autism is and your kid does not mm. have that. Um, mm. Because it's very complicated to treat and it's very complicated to diagnose. And so um, I think a lot of people run into professionals even that say, oh no, your child certainly does not have autism spectrum mm. disorder at two. 
-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, You know, so it's hard to define at to Mm -hmm. a child's social abilities unless you have um, a person who's professionally qualified, like a speech pathologist to say, you know, here's what two-year-old socialization looks like. Is this, are they doing that? You know, Mm -hmm. and then um, having that input uh, is helpful because again, people in denial are not looking for help often. They're not Mm -hmm. looking for someone to tell them what's different about their child because they're in denial. (laughs) so, um, So anyway, I think that that can be a huge step is to just let go of what you think you your child, your child just has this one thing or just has this special quirk or just has this, you know, looks at toys upside down. And Mm -hmm. they're just like that. They just are so smart. They want to figure out the wheels, you know, Mm -hmm. when you let go of some of that and go, no other child is doing that, then Mm -hmm. it really does open up the opportunity for you to step out of denial and into, you know, progressing toward how your child is going to live and function in, in this world. So. Right. Absolutely. So that, that's a great, okay. So talking about spiritual and practical, right? We'll get to talking about spiritual in a second. Okay. I want to continue with that thought being, let's chat about the practical. Okay. So you just gave us one, um, and, and calling it steps is fine, but, but really just how to, how to lead us in the direction of, listen, we're not saying to speed through this, this stage, but we are saying there are ways to help get to a point to where, like you said, not being the barrier to further intervention. Okay. So you just told us one, uh, be aware and just get past the just of, right. of realizing, listening, uh, understanding what autism is like you listed, like you read. And so that, that can be a, a first line, uh, first step. And then secondly, just to offer this as a parent, like it would have been really easy for me to, to, uh, disregard your, mm-hmm. your, uh, uh, how the truth that you spoke to me and just say, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to choose what I believe or kind of thing. And, and that's denial obviously, but <laughs> is, is to be for us as parents is to be open for voices of, of truth uh, yeah. uh, and, and ones that love and care for us. Absolutely. But also uh, professionally speaking. So, so first being, you know, understand what autism is that it's not wrong that, you know, like, right. like you said, to being open to hear people, what, what's another after that, what, what's something to move us quickly into the diagnosis? Uh, I think just calming that fear, you know, the fear yeah. is a crippling part of it. And I think once the fear is calmed, um, which I think is through those things that I was just listening, listing is once that fear is calmed, it's a good way to support people to say, you're not alone. You think that this is just you. You're the only one. And, you know, your child's going to be ostracized or whatever, mm-hmm. just reminding uh, parents that autism spectrum disorder can be, and children who have it often are extremely brilliant, mm-hmm. but they just learn differently and they may show brilliance differently. And that you have to advocate for your child um, on how to help other people see that, how to help other people's people know that your child has abilities. Like you were trying to tell me, I know they have these abilities. You Mm -hmm. should see them do these things um, and help other people understand that that is just different. And that is brilliant. And there are great, wonderful things that the Lord has 
already seen and mm-hmm. already ordained in your child's life that he's going to um, use this life for his glory and to bring him honor. And um, so, and I think that's a, a Christian perspective. I don't always get to say those things to people like in my field of work, but that God made your child. He already knows he loves your child more than you do. And um, you need to calm that fear in you that the Lord can't help you or help your child. He is is ready and <laughs> ready to do that work in your life. And um, and I think that that calming that fear really does help a parent move uh, out of denial. Absolutely. And what a segue to t- keeping on that same encouragement to, to moving out of fear. How do we see those in the Bible? Like both positively and negatively. Like my first thoughts is, is right out of Genesis, Abraham and Sarah, you know, mm-hmm. God tells them what's going to happen. They're going to have a baby at this old age, but fear sets in yeah. and they cause it denial, doubt and denial. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that story obviously carries out through the entire biblical narrative. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and denial, I think, is in the scriptures um, in a way to help us know we are going to be in denial. All of us mm-hmm. are in denial about something right now as we're mm-hmm. sitting here um, and that the Lord knows that mm-hmm. we're going to be in denial and that he desires for us to go through that, like be on the other side of it. Um, and, uh, and I think too, I, you know, I was thinking on biblical example of denial and where I've seen it. And, you know, I, I think that Peter is a great example because mm-hmm. he, the Lord told him <laughs> that and basically knew that you're, you're going to deny, you're going right. to be in this uh, stage of denial of, you know, what um, the struggles I'm going to bring you through and the struggles I'm going to put into your life is going to, you're going to go through this denial. And then the Lord also knew that, you know, he could use that weakness and um, build a church. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a great example of knowing God knows already where you are, right now, if you're in Mm -hmm. denial as a parent of a child who has autism spectrum disorder, he already knows that you're in denial and he desires to come right there where you are, right Mm -hmm. where you are in that denial stage and help you move toward um, where you need to be in order for this child to be a disciple of the Lord. He desires for your child to honor and glorify him, Um, you know, and so if he desires for your child to honor and glorify him, then, and that's what you desire, he's going to help you to do that. That is his role for all of us. And so I do think that um, he, he knows you're in denial if you're there and Mm -hmm. that he desires to help you um, through this stage, if it's for Mm -hmm. autism spectrum disorder and all other denials that we're in, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he he desires to help us um, to to have faith and trust to believe that he is who he says he is. Mm -hmm. He will do what he says he's going to do. And he always has done what he Mm -hmm. says he's going to do. So um, that faith is going to help bring us through that denial stage for whatever we're going through denial and especially autism spectrum disorder. That's right. Because what's the opposite of denial is exactly what you just said, faith and trust. Like, yeah, that's right. That's, that's the yeah. opposite of it because we see that we need we see that you know with with Peter in the Bible walking on the uh, walking on the water. You know, we see right. that uh, uh, with the the man who cries out to Jesus. You know, help my unbelief. You know, I think that's that's a prayer that that can be on the hearts of uh, of us as parents with autistic children. Not only 
you know, James one of give us wisdom, but also Lord help my unbelief where I don't believe, help me believe, help me not to have denial, help me to believe in you and put my faith and trust in you. Just like you said that, that, uh, he is good to his word. Um, and you know, we see that so many other times in scripture too, but I think it's important. Um, and what I've been learning over this past year of suffering, um, in a sense of, of, um, like we've talked about before, you know, laying down what we thought life was going to be is ultimately understanding, uh, uh, and, and reflecting on eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a huge reminder of this world is not our home. Right? right. Um, and, and that the most important thing is, is like I said earlier is, is I can teach my daughter how to throw a fast pitch softball. I can teach my boys how to load the dishwasher, but, and I can also learn all I can about autism. And Mm -hmm. I can be the best mom providing a a whole house full of sensory stuff. I can (laughs) get him the best therapies, you know, or whatever. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that he knows that he is loved by the King of the universe, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and that God loves him and that the gospel, him putting his faith and trust in Christ, no matter how that looks like, because it's going to be different for all autistic kids, but that's... Over all the sensory, over all the autistic knowledge, the most important thing is that Graham knows that he is loved by Jesus. And when he places his faith and trust in him, he will live forever. And that's, that's my prayer. And that's our goal for this podcast is to help walk alongside parents that are going through the other, uh, the same as we are in, in doubt and denial and understanding that, um, you know, that Jesus did say to, to when he healed many people pick up your mat and walk, mm-hmm. you know, we, yes, this denial process is a stage, but there does come a point as a Christ following parent where we pick up our mat and walk, right? Where we, we, we put our faith and trust in Jesus and we say, you know what? He has given us this diagnosis for such a time as this so that others can see the glory of God and the power of him working in us. So Lizzie, just in, in, in closing, what would you encourage the Christ falling parent that is raising autistic disciples in their home? How, how would you encourage them? I think I would just remind them that, um, like you said, the Lord gave you this child and he is going to be with you every step of the way to, um, to love this child, to encourage this child and to raise them, to know him Uh, as a Christ following parent. That's what your goal is to raise your children, to know him and love him and enjoy him forever. Mm. And, um, that it starts with the parent. The parent is the one that is going to advocate for that relationship with the Lord and also all the other environments that they have to be in. And so, um, that's our goal. Um, our goal is like you said, I think in a previous podcast, cause I had the privilege to listen to it, um, that, um, you know, we are not trying to make autism go away or change our child to be something they're not. God created your child as they are. He loves them as they are. And he is going to help you parent that child to uh, follow him and love him. Um, so that's what I would encourage a parent to do is, is to remember the goal Mm-hmm. And that um, you, your goal is not to convince everyone else in the world that your child is fine or that your child, um, you know, is this thing that you want them to be. Your child is who they are and you are to love, pr- provide and um, disciple them to know the Lord. So 
that's your goal. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. Lizzie, thank you so much for not only, uh, who you are, not only what you mean to me, but also just, um, this ripple effect, uh, that I know the Lord is using you in your profession. Um, and also just being a friend to those who, uh, call on you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, talking about this, this somewhat hard, but beautiful also, uh, topic of denial. And, uh, we wish you the best. Thank you for listening to an episode on the five stages of discovering autism for the Christ following parent friend blessings as you raise autistic disciples for the kingdom.